Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And welcome back. It's Farm to the Show. Once again, joined by your two hosts, Mr. Paul Janish, the man deep as the ocean, crossword master and lover of all things Tex-Mex, and me, Chris Dickerson, the Disabled List Hall of Famer. And we are back for another week of Farm to the Show. And Paul, I got to ask you, first question, happy Monday. What were you doing at 16 years old? Yeah, trying to – for me, the biggest thing at that point, Chris, was trying to pass the driver's test, man. I wanted to get that license so I could get in the truck and start driving around, get out with the people. But um, we got uh, – Ethan Silas is on a little different plan right now, ain't he? Yeah, I, it's not quite comprehensible to either one of us. You're worried about getting your driver's license. I don't think I was even playing much baseball when I was 16. I was, you know, I was still thinking I was going to go to the World Cup as a soccer player. And, uh, you know, just worrying about catching passes on the on the football field. Baseball was an afterthought. I was playing JV at 16. So being at a pro level is way beyond um, my understanding of the game. And but to actually watch uh, him, knowing that you have that talent, even as a 16 year old, even if you're in a varsity program and you're excelling, you're you know, that's we're well ahead of the curve. But to be in high A. Uh, right now in the Cal League doing what he's doing, hitting 333 uh, in his first week is is nothing short than exceptional. Yeah, he's, he's uh, like you said, well ahead of the curve. It's cool to see. I know we saw him in spring training and got to see some of his his at-bats. Obviously, he's, he's, he's young, but physically he's – He's pretty mature for his, for his for his age. Obviously, he's got a ton of room to grow into his body. But the thing that sticks out to me, man, is all, I mean the body works, right? Like if you're doing these things at 16 years old, obviously the swing is really good. His the physical ability is really good. Um, but I I love the what I perceive the body language to be of there's there's some confidence there, man. There's you know he doesn't look overmatched. He doesn't look there you know deer in the headlights. I think that that's typically a, a pretty good sign of of somebody who's going to have some some success and have the ability at an early age to endure some adversity and I, I think it's exciting i think it's absolutely comical that he's a, a 16 years old in high a and having success um i know the padres got to be fired up about him coming up the coming up the ranks he's he's just getting going you know it, I, it's hard to, to believe that he's not going to be a guy that's call it like 18 19 years old here in two or three years and he's banging on the door to get into the big leagues but really impressive man I, like to your point it's hard to really even put into context for a 16 year old to be doing that. It, it, it really is like your, your example of, of being on varsity as a sophomore in high school is, is relevant. Like it's, he's, he's in a completely different stratosphere. Yeah. Like that's a feat in itself is, is playing varsity as a, 
as a sophomore and I had, I was fortunate to have seven, eight other players to go D one. And they were all, you know, I was one of the few that would, if not the only one that was left behind that wasn't playing varsity uh, as a sophomore. It's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, luckily for him, he's in the Cal league. So there's not a whole lot of stuff to do after the game. Um, you know, Jay Bruce back when he was 19 coming through the minor leagues, you know, it's not like we go out, come drinking with the, with the guys or anything, but I mean, if you're even going to an R rated movie, do you have to have like a chaperone going in for, <laughs> for on an H check? You gotta, you gotta get a, like a field trip, you know, signed, a signed field trip slip to go to a, a rated movie. Yeah. I'm sure that, uh, the Padres got to, they have, have to have done some, some legwork there to make sure that he's, he's well taken care of. They're just out there fending for himself as a, as a 16 year old out in Cali. Yeah. Who's picking up? Cause you know, there's not a lot of guys with cars, let alone he, he even understands how to drive one. So I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him, but also I think it's a good place. There's nothing, there's no place in that entire league where he's, you're going to have uh, any temptation to get into trouble. Um, but 16, yeah, for sure. Exceptional. You know, I don't want to get too much into it, but I think there might be a birth certificate. Um, after watching some of these ABs, there might be a little birth certificate, you know, check to see if we don't have a little da Danny Almonte situation going on. Cause this, this wouldn't be the, wouldn't be the first time this, this happened. I, I'm sure we played with some guys who were a little bit older than they'd claimed to be, you know, out there in Billings, Montana at, at 19, when they turned out they were actually 23. Yeah, no, that's that's always been the joke in, in locker rooms and stuff, you know, the credibility of birth certificates at times. But all that to say, Ethan Salas is going to be a good player. I don't care if he's if he's 19 right now doing what he's doing. He's still he's still ahead of the curve. But, yeah, it's uh, you, you might need to somebody might need to check that 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 birth certificate for sure. Yeah, because we're on the street. There have been some stories of getting in a, into Mr. Albert Pujols, who's making the making the transition special assistant to the commissioner to the big commish, which is a big deal. And he'll be now getting in the booth at MLB network. Are you surprised that he, that Albert, the little that you've known him and played against him, that he would be willing to come back so soon and jump in the booth? Yeah. You know, it's hard to say that towards the end of his career, he was super approachable, obviously tremendous throughout his career with fans and very philanthropic, you know, so it doesn't surprise me, especially in St. Louis. I think his first, he did the first game the other day in Pittsburgh Cardinals and pirates were playing not a huge surprise. I, I'm I'm sure it's just the start. He he's probably trying to figure out exactly what he wants to do. Obviously, a lot of options, you know, at his disposal based on the playing career that he had. Um, you know, he's 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 going to be a Hall of Famer. Obviously, the you know being in the front office, I think, is is interesting to me as well, man. I you, you hope that he can he can have some positive influence on that side of, on that side of the game too. With in this current landscape, there's so much changing all the time. Uh, a real player's perspective, hopefully, will be a be a benefit. You know. 100%. And Albert is no stranger to criticism over being his actual age. We're talking about Ethan Salas being 16, being in high already. Albert was one of those guys. A little known fact, there were some mumblings on, you know, going on around the league. Um, actually, it's all the way throughout this career. Coming out of uh, junior college out of Missouri, um, there were some rumblings there that he might have been a lot older. Um, but you see the way he kind of operated and moved well into late in his career that it kind of maybe had given some indication that he could be older and then with some supporting stories that we've heard in the clubhouse, maybe a potential that, uh, you know, particular story with Octavio Dotel during a card game, um, you know, Dotel being listed three years older than him and them somehow playing on the, little, the same Little League team. But, you know, regardless, 
of age again let's say like you said even if he's 19 what he's doing in high a is exceptional and albert even if he was 46 and he did what he did you know it's it's irrelevant you know the, he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer um it was great to hear talking to wayno um about the stories in, in the sauna the other day and albert does have some stories it takes a while to get through them um but he it's and it's going to be good for baseball just to have one of the all-time greats join the clubhouse and, pu and pushing the game forward for sure yeah, he'll he'll have a unique perspective on the, on that side of the game, and I know he's like like we talked about. He was the kind of guy that gave back a ton, and I'm sure he'll continue to do so. You know, now that he's a non-player, but pretty pretty cool to see him getting in the booth. I I, I bet the Cardinals fans are excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. I would have liked to see the uh, the original deal of the Albert Pujols deal, which would have been the first to if he did not complete his 10 year contract that the remaining two years of salary would have gone into making my minority owner of the, the St. Louis Cardinals. I thought that would be cool. You know, we got the wish that we always wanted, which was for Albert to come back to St. Louis to finish out his career, you know, kind of like a Leo Messi going back to Barcelona right now. A lot of speculation. Get that guy back to his, the, you know, to his uh, original team to, you know, send a proper farewell tour. And Albert did that. And uh, yeah, it was so much fun to watch him do what he did that second half of the season and have fun doing it. I feel like he had a genuine fun time uh, coming back with the, with the young guys and, you know, and getting into like the celebrations. And that's kind of the next topic of our conversation is this poor kid out of Indiana, who's now been suspended for the, uh, for the, for the chain deal. And, you know, we both, uh, both coming to college, but also understanding this new narrative that MLB is trying to push. Let's have fun. Let the kids play. That, that wasn't the case this weekend at uh, Indiana, one of the regionals. Yeah, so it's it's that time of year, right? In college baseball, you got you got the regionals going on. Obviously, a lot of emotion. The college game in general, it, it exhibits more emotion than 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 the pro level in most cases. Um, and so, a couple of things to your point about the big leagues, right? There's all kinds of home run cele celebrations taking place now in the dugouts. There's all kinds of props being used. This one was a uh, flavor flav type celebration chain. Um, was was the prop in, in question, and so the the rule in college baseball is you can't have a prop outside the dugout. It can't be on the field. You know, I guess if if he hits the home run and the, they keep the prop in the dugout, then it's okay. Anyway, long story short, the the the, the celebration ensues. Guy puts the chain on, huge home run. You know, in a close game and in, in, in the postseason, they throw throw him out of the game. You know, I think it's a situation where we could agree. You discretion. Um, in that, in that situation. That being said, I guess it is, it is by the letter of the law, it is the rule. And they threw him out of the game and he was suspended for the next one, which is super unfortunate because like we talked about this time of year, anything goes in college games. These guys are landing on the line. You, you mentioned it earlier. They, some of these guys might not ever step on the field as a player again. There's just so much, so much emotion involved. So super unfortunate. You know, it's, it's gotten a lot of uh, coverage at, at the college level for sure. Yeah, all it takes is that one freshman, that one red redshirt freshman that's logged zero innings coming out with the chain. Like that's his duty for the year is he is on celebration duty. Like I'm sure he has like a little hiding spot where he keeps the chain, has like a couple, you know, like candles lit and some incense going, make sure that thing's charged up, ready to go with some ju good juju. And that kid just comes flying out of the dugout, throws this thing on. He has no, you know, the kid who who's on celebration duty gets no re repercussions, but right. you're also taking away a key piece. Ejection, maybe, okay, based on the understanding, the, the baseline of the of the rule, okay, fine. Um, but to, to suspend the kid, I think it was 
yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was uncalled for. I felt like it was uh, the harsh, the, 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 the harsher terms than, uh, than, than the crime committed. It's, it's really unfortunate. Uh, but that's just, you know, like you said, a lot of emotion going on, a lot of red shirts jumping around, hopped up on Mountain Dew trying to get fired up for this tournament. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. The time of year, it's a big deal. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. What do you, it was a big weekend. Like it was a big weekend. Yeah. We had the Dodgers and the Yankees right down the road here um, mm-hmm. in town. And personally, like looking at the league, the East, the, it was like an East versus West matchup. You know, the week we had some, you know, we had some teams from the East uh, come in, play some teams in the West. And it was just like, I mean, just further flexing the, the East dominance on, on all levels. You had Arizona coming in. Uh, winning 16 of their last 21. They're on fire. They're now in second yeah. place in the West. Still couldn't get back past the Braves. Braves still took two or three. Yankees coming out of he- out here, taking two or three from the Dodgers in their in their home, in their home, uh, their home ballpark here, yeah. just coming in and announcing their presence with authority. Judges jumping through fences, you jumping over the walls, hitting homers, you know, doing his whole deal. And then you got Baltimore up in San Francisco, just dominating. What does that, what does that say about, what does it say about the, the teams from the East right now? While the, the NL West isn't, doesn't have the power, you know, the, the, the power ranking or the status that the AL East does. What does that mean for these West coast teams? Hard to say, man. You know, I, we, we've talked about it. The Yankees are playing good judge going through the wall. Here's what I like about that is we, we talk about his offense. We talk about the homers, him playing defense. I, I don't know if you saw the video of that play, man, He's laying it on the line, okay. So I appreciate that. He's he is who he is, and he's he's leading by example. So for me, if you're in that locker room, if you're Aaron Boone as the manager of that team, you can look to that guy. You can point to that guy, and there's nobody that can question his want to, his effort. And I just think it says a lot about the character, the makeup of of him, obviously, but also then what translates into the makeup of that clubhouse. So I think it bodes well for them down the stretch. They're getting healthy. Heads up for the Yankees. Obviously, the Dodgers are a good team. I think it's just good for baseball when those two, when those types of teams match up. You got big markets. You got both of them at the top of their, you know, arguably challenging for the top of their division and are going to throughout the year. Um, they come into into Dodge into LA and take two or three. It says a lot about the Yankees for me. Um, and and they went up and did the same thing to Seattle, who's also playing well, right? Like the Yankees took two or three for them too. So um anyway it, it's 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 good to see I, I think it does i agree with what you're trying to say i think at the end of the day that that al east is really really strong and that and that that shows that and we'll see how it unfolds man i i like where i like where the, where those teams are at baltimore is is holding tight for a team that's young and some people think might might start to fall off they're not man they're not they're they're it looks like to me they're here to stay yeah um yeah again another you know other another signifying um you know series for them going into san francisco growing across cross country i mean the giants aren't that great but still i mean they just they continue to roll it's been and it's about consistency it's like you know you you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, and that's what that's what you have to ask for at the end of the day like you're gonna have enough trouble getting dealing with the east um and everybody else with toronto going to new york and sweeping the mets with the with the squad that the mets have had yeah they've had their struggles but regardless you go and you have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, and the AL East is doing that on a routine basis right now. But to go across country, you know what those cross country trips are like that you jet lag, you know, by the time you're starting the fifth inning, like it's 11 o'clock your time, like they're not easy, but you still, 
you get out there battling, especially with a young team again in Baltimore, doing those West Coast swings, like it's that like that's a statement in itself. Nobody, a lot of people don't understand how hard that is to do when you go to the West Coast. Yeah, no, the 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 jet lag's a real thing, man. And getting out there, it's you're exactly right, man. Traveling on those on those long trips, and to me, again, go back. It goes back to it. It shows the the fortitude of the team. Like I think that's an indicator that you can look to and say, hey, man. This team's this team's real. Like they're not going away. They're they're gonna they're they're gonna in all likelihood be for the the rest of the season. Um, yeah. I think I think in a different way, it's the same thing with the Rangers. They go up to obviously they're playing well. They're at the top of the division. You have the Astros pushing, man, and here they come. Right, Astros are leading the league in ERA, but the Rangers go into Seattle over the weekend. They sweep them convincingly. By the way, they won two to nothing on Friday and outscored them twenty eight to two Saturday and Sunday. So you know it's. It was a convincing like sweep, like a juggernaut. Oh, juggernaut. Like the, it's, a, it's stupid. I mean, it's crazy. You got 250 runs. It took them almost till like August last year, and they 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 accomplished the same feat like last week is getting to 250 runs. But yeah, they're they're boat racing teams. We had this conversation about Simeon. Like he's a 23 game hitting streak. Yeah. Um, but the amount of runs, if you look at there's a chart, it has four guys like guys who lead the American League in runs. It's for all four of them are on the same team. Yeah, no, and I mean the Rangers right now are leading Major League Baseball in run differential. It's 152, by the way, is their run differential. The amount, the amount of, you know, more runs they've scored versus their opponents over the course of the whole year. So, like, that's a real thing, man. It, it's it, it, again when you talk about, you know, stats that you look to, they're obviously the strength of their schedule comes into play. But dude, they've outscored their opponents by 152 runs up to this point in the season. It's impressive. Yeah, and then on the backside, you have the pitching. Like, Eovaldi is going absolutely nuts on the mound. I think his last seven starts, he's given up, like, one earned run. He's, like, a .67 ERA his last seven starts. And then you mix that with the with the bullpen, with Dunning coming out, with all these guys. Like, it's it's exceptional what they're what they're doing right now. Like, they we thought they would just be like, okay, how can the offense – is the offense going to have to carry this team? Is the bullpen going to step step up? Or are they going to have to score like six, seven runs a game? Like, no, that's that's not the case. This bullpen is starting to flourish and really becoming an, an operational unit right now, getting starting uh, – the starting pitching. But, I mean, Avaldi right now, if he keeps going, you know, he's going up the board. He's looking at – he could potentially be starting a, you know, uh, all-star game uh, For come, sure. come yep. July. No doubt. Hey, let's not sleep on the fact, by the way – Bruce Bochy in Texas for the first year. Okay, it's a big deal, man. I don't know how you want to quantify this. I know there's some new pieces there. There's a bunch of things coming together. Stars are aligning, if, if that's the way you want to describe it. But, hey, Bruce Bochy the other day wins his 2041st game. Okay, top 10 in the history of managers. Um, I'm pretty sure he wears a size eight and a quarter hat. Okay? There's a big Number baseball one. brain in there. A big, big baseball brain. brain. Yeah. Big brain. They don't, make, they don't sell that at the team shop. They no. don't sell Bruce Bochy size in the team shop. I'm pretty sure it's custom, it's customized. But for 10 years, I've been trying to figure out who customizes that hat, where it's just like New Era just shows up and be like, yeah, I'm going to need that Bruce Bochy. Yeah, it's a, it's a custom order, okay? Um, but I, I think it's a big deal, man. We, we, we've talked about, about milestones here. That's a big one for him to be in the top 10. I, I think it's so significant for a team that hasn't, you know, technically been there here lately to have a manager that has been there. Right. Obviously he had so much success in San Francisco, went to a bunch of world series. You know, there's, I just, it's hard for me to believe. And you got Chris Young as the first time GM over there. Who's obviously done pulling a lot of the correct strings. I just think I'm not, not a dumb, not a dumb guy, no, not no. a dumb guy. No, he's an Ivy leaguer. 
Ivy leaguer for sure. Um, I just think there's a lot there. There's a lot of, you know, clues that lead to success. And I think those guys are going to, are going to really, really impact that team down the stretch. Speaking of, speaking of brainiacs, when are we going to see some rice owls in the, in the front office? Like you guys are the Stanford of the Mm -hmm. South. We got Mr. Sam fold Stanford, Stanford grad, Mm taking over GM of the Phillies. We got Chris Young back in the spot representing I- Ivy League. I told you about winter meetings. Yeah, yeah. there's some Rice Owls going around there with their backpacks, coming up with all kinds of configurations yeah. for analytic programs. They're coming. Hey, we got a couple. I'll give a shout-out to a couple of guys. Okay, first of all, Danny Lehman is the bench coach in, in L.A. with the Dodgers, right? Been a huge part in there for, you know, five, six, seven years now. Part of that process, I, I believe that he is going to be a big league manager sooner than later. Um, and then there's another guy that's just getting going. He's in the Baltimore front office. He's a little younger guy, so he's, he's just getting going. But named Chad, unbelievable guy, unbelievable baseball mind. I still see him a lot on the road because he's doing um, a lot of scouting and I'm doing the recruiting stuff. So those are the two for me that are the closest to, to playing significant roles in, in major league organizations. But you're right. There's and, I, you know, we got there's a there's an aspiration here. Uh, there, there'll be there'll be more owls coming, bud. There you go. Shout out to owls. Hoot them. Um, bro, can we can we talk about three ninety two? Ooh, yeah, three ninety two. Okay, sorry, it's, uh, it's June fifth. Luis Reyes. Okay, I, mean, I got so, all the mics today too because none of them were at three ninety two. Three mics on mics, mics on mics. So here's where I got on the race. He's on. First of all, he's on my kids' fantasy team. Big deal. Um, two two hundred and four abs up to this point in the season. He's hitting three ninety two, like you said. He's got nine thirty ops. Dicky, he's got nineteen walks. He's got eleven strikeouts on the year. Okay, bat to ball skills, man. It's it's super impressive. You know, I, I, he can play all over the field. He played well in the in the WBC. You know, he's he's establishing himself to me as, you know, we talked about it at one point a little like Tony Gwynnish. He's that kind of Ichiro ish, that kind of bat to ball. Now he doesn't have that body of work. Obviously, he's he's not those guys, but that's I think who we can kind of liken him to from an offensive standpoint. Not yet, but I think. Um... At the end of the day, you look at Ichiro, who who hovers around that number on a consistent basis. But let's you know, let's admit, like we have to look at the slugging here. Like he's not simply just kind of slapping singles on, on all over the field. If you've watched right. a significant amount of the bats, like these balls, some of these balls are smoked. You can hear off the sound of the bat. There's not light contact. Ichiro, he's going to slap some things the other way. He's going to chop. He's going to lay down a bunt. He's going to have a you know a number of infield hits. But th- that five for five performance, like. It didn't matter. You shoot the ball the other way, smoking balls up the middle in the gap. And it's, you know, he's hitting like a, I'm pretty sure his, his slugging is around 480, 480, 450 something. So it's not necessarily, he's just slapping the ball around the field. There's some, there's a little bit of umph to it. Um, but the only person that was really at the top, given this, uh, given this period in time was Joe Maurer in uh, at 415, I think it was 415 or 417. And if you don't know about old Joe Maurer, like, he absolutely, absolutely rakes. I mean, that was fun to watch. And I believe this was back when they were in the uh, the old kingdom with the, you know, the the plastic bag out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, exceptional. And he was hitting for for some thump. But you know, no difference. While Joe didn't sniff 400 at the end of the year, yeah, sure, it's probably going to get a little bit more more difficult. But the fact of the matter is, I feel like we just did this two, three weeks ago, and he was hitting 372, and we were talking about here yeah. we are. It's you know 30. That's you know 30 point increase within two weeks. Like 
there's something to be said. And I, I keep seeing all this stuff, why nobody's talking to. It, and I just, we, I just got to keep pointing back to it. 392 right now is a special number. And, um, and if you, if you have the opportunity, just look at some of the at-bats and the, the pitches that he's hitting and the square contact that is just, it's routine. Yep. It, it's, it's tremendous. Yeah. And it's, I, I think there's something to the guys we mentioned, I'm sure it raises the same with, with the amount of back control that he has, the situation can dictate what he's trying to do. I'm sure if you went and watch BP, he could run hard, but the in-game approach is is more of a, hey, through the middle, do what I need to do. Is there a guy on second base in the seventh inning? You know, I, I think that there's, he, he's a, he's a, he's a pretty complete hitter, but he's not always trying to hit the homer. So it, you know, which makes him a really, really difficult out. I'm sure that there's teams that are in some ways game planning against him, right? Yeah, I would have to, I would have to imagine, but yeah, you can't shift. You can't, you can't do anything. And cause you, you can't play him too short. Uh, that five thing, believe the five hit game was against Oakland and it seemed, and it looked like uh, Ruiz was playing just way, way too shallow and like, okay, fine. We're going to take away the single or the line drive, but then he's going to get a ball and he's, he'll put it on the warning track for, for a double or a triple. So um, again, I, I would, it's unfortunate. I would love to see, um, you know, Miami do better and, and put some pieces around him. I know Jorge Soler is there and he's hit a bunch of homers, but, um, you know, 392 is, is amazing. Yeah. They're coming, bud. They're, 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 they're in a tough division obviously over there, but they're, they got those two young, young studs on the mountain too, that they're, you know, Alcantara and Perez, we talked about before they're, um, they're putting some pieces together. For sure. Um, well, so we got, we're running into 24 minutes and I think that's probably going to end it. Um, that 392, we're not going to get too ahead of ourselves, you know, on that, but, um, definitely something to look out for. Um, but just, again, I think this is a big weekend for a lot of teams to rebound, um, coming up here. Um, but I I also want to see what happens with, uh, with, uh, with Aaron judge. I know he came out of that LA series, uh, pretty banged up after jumping through that wall. And he put a dent in there. If you've ever seen that fence, like it's not a, it's not a small, it's, you know, chain link, but that thing is reinforced and that's a large man going through that fence. But I think he kind of picked up a couple of nicks and we'll see how that plays out for, for New York. Cause it'd be unfortunate to have uh, him missing uh, for this next week as he's just come back and he's been on fire lately. So things to keep an eye out for. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll run it back again later on. All right. Until next time, this is far to the show. I'm Chris Diggerson and Paul Yanish, and I'm the three Mike man. We will see you next week. Holla. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.